Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Pastor Mark Cowart. Hello and welcome to the Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show. My name is Mark Coward. I'll be your host tonight. We have an awesome program uh, tonight, and uh, I've got a very dear friend with me, Derek Wilburn, one of my favorite people, genuinely. And uh, we're going to give a more proper introduction in just a few moments. Uh, one of the things I want to do, I want to remind you right here at the outset that our phone lines are going to be open after the first break. Uh, we've got some awesome things to talk about, some important things to talk about. And the number is on your screen. You'll want to take it down, area code 719-619-619. 2341. And I'd love to hear from you uh, with your questions and comments. And uh, we're actually going to be talking about education in America. And listen, this is going to be a very, very important show. It's going to be eye opening. You know, uh, one of the things I want to remind you of is that the Truth and Liberty website is a very rich resource. So all of these daily shows are archived. If you see something or hear something that you want to share, it's very easy to click it over and uh, share it with friends and what have you. And then also there's updates every 15 minutes. And what we do, there's so much information out there. You know, everybody's kind of like, what can you trust and what should I read or shouldn't read? And if you go to the website, they've got current events. For instance, My Faith Votes, intersection there, things on the Biden administration, corruption, defense, foreign affairs, economy, um, elections, faith and culture, just a whole host of things. And you can easily click these on. And I'll tell you, you know, just before we went live here, I was reading some of the headlines. There's stuff out there and I don't, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but you can't make this stuff up. And it's shocking what's going on. And if anybody needs to be informed, Christians need to be informed, but you have to be careful where you get your news. So we invite you to, to make use of the Truth and Liberty website. Also, a couple of upcoming events. The next thing on the calendar is the Vision Conference. It's going to be September 21st through the 23rd, right here at Karis Bible College. Andrew Womack and Dwayne Sheriff. Now, they're are two blessed men of God right there. Um, you know, of course, we love Andrew and Pastor Dwayne Sheriff. He is one of my favorite pastors in the whole wide world. He's a true black robe regiment pastor that flows in revelation. And both Andrew and he are going to be ministering. So be sure to go to awmi.net and get registered. Make your plans for that. And also the Global Ministers Conference is coming up 1st of October. That's actually October 2 through the 6th. 2023. We'll talk more about that. But we have a great show for you tonight. A very dear friend uh, with us in studio, Derek Wilburn. Derek, it is good to have you with us. It is good to be back once again. Always a pleasure. You know, you're one of my favorite people too. <laughs> and I'll tell you how you know that. 
there is a home Air Force Academy football game this evening, and I'm here with you instead of being at the game. Now, this is what you call devotion, and you'll notice he brought his Air Force T-shirt. So uh, I do appreciate you being here, uh, Derek. I always enjoy our time. And you're no stranger to the ministry here. You teach in our practical government school here. Uh, you've been on Truth and Liberty several times. You participate. <clears throat> My, many of the people know you, but tell us a little bit. Who is Derek Wilburn? I am a father first, a husband, and uh, an evangelical believer and an American. Uh, God, family, faith, Republican Party. Uh, I believe that what we need to do is empower individuals in this country, and I've done that with my children. Uh, I believe that we need less is more when it comes to government. Government only screws things up. And I've been on a crusade to convince as many people as, that, as I can and to tear down the wall of separation between black America and conservative political parties, causes, and people. That war needs to end because no one is winning. And what you just said, I've got to, I, I asked Eric to be able to show this. It was a video clip of him at a District 49 in Colorado Springs school board meeting where they were bringing in critical race theory. And this is an opportunity where parents are able to voice their concerns to the school board. Mm -hmm. And this was what year, 2020? This was 21. 21. Now, I asked, I said, Derek, I want to show this. It's only a couple minutes long, <clears throat> but it went viral, Derek. And I asked you tonight what the update was on the views, and it's unknown, but how many do they think could have viewed the video? We're uh, upwards of 60 million. It is one of the five most clicked upon videos of the last two years worldwide. Brother, for me, it was poetic justice hearing you <laughs> speak that night. Derek broke every narrative that God haters and liberals and things like that try to push. But what I want to do is share this video with you. Now, what you're going to see in this video is that all of a sudden when Derek starts speaking, uh, people are going to start standing up because, you know, when Linda saw it, she goes, what are they standing up for? I said, showing their support. That's the way they show support. Well, he had the whole place standing. Uh, well, there was a conspicuous guy right behind you. <laughs> Pink shirt guy. Yeah. So anyway, let's watch this video. It's going to give you a, a little bit of an idea of who Derek is, and then we're going to have a great time tonight. I'd like to begin my comments tonight by reading a quote, which in essence is the genesis of all of this Black Lives Matter, social justice, CRT conversations we're having in our country today. Quote, I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. Close quote. Colin Kaepernick, August 2016. I am the direct descendant of the North American slave trade. Both my parents are black, all four of my grandparents are black, all eight of my great-grandparents, all 16 of my great-greats. On my mother's side, my ancestors were enslaved in Alabama. On my father's side, we were enslaved in Texas. I am not oppressed. I'm not oppressed and I'm not a victim. I'm neither oppressed nor a victim. I travel all across this country of ours. And I check into hotels, and I fly commercially, and I walk into retail establishments, and I order food in restaurants. I go wherever I want, whenever I want. I am treated with kindness, dignity, and respect 
literally from coast to coast. I have three children. They are not oppressed either. Although they are victims, I've taught my children they are victims of three things. Their own ignorance, their own laziness, and their own poor decision making. That is all. My children, we are not victims of America. We are not victims of some unseen 190-year-old force that kind of floats around in the ether. Putting critical race theory into our classrooms is taking our nation in the wrong direction. Racism in America would by and large be dead today if it were not for certain people and institutions keeping it on life support. And sadly, sadly, very sadly, one of those institutions is the American education system. I can think of nothing more damaging to a society than to tell a baby born today that she has grievances against another baby born today simply because of what their ancestors may have done two centuries ago. There is simply no point in doing that to our children. And putting critical race theory into our classrooms in part does that. Putting critical race theory into our classrooms is not combating racism. It's fanning the flames of what little embers are left. I encourage you to support this resolution. Let racism die the death it deserves. And let's keep living the life of the country that we are. Thank you. Wow, Derek, I tell you, man, there are so many things you said in there. I'd just like to put a gold frame around it. Uh, <laughs> tell us, what was the response to that? Well, it's a good launching pad for where we're going to this show. So I'll tell you what the response was from the left. The left hated my guts for that. I got more hate mail. I get hate mail to this day over that thing because it pops up on people's and feeds all the time. And that was 2021. 2021. And you're still here. And well, because of the YouTube algorithm, it's popular enough that it'll pop up on your feed, even though you didn't know it was coming, and people will still click it. And the left hated me for it because I stood up and said, I'm not oppressed. Nothing's oppressing me. And they don't want to believe that. And so where we're going to take the show today is so I get a lot of mail from people. I was telling you off, out, off air about a guy, a white guy who sent me a message saying it's so bad, too bad that you don't understand the real experiences of black Americans today and how much systemic racism there is and what have you. He's white, I'm black, but I don't understand it. I've never claimed there is no systemic racism. There is systemic racism. There's no question about that. However, the question that has to be asked in conjunction with is there systemic racism is who runs the system? Okay, if the system itself is racist, fine. Who runs the system? Black Americans are an urban population. For the most part, we're clustered in our city, in our nation's metropolitan centers. If there's systemic racism, that's where it is. So let's take a look at some of the cities in which blacks live. Yes, there are small town blacks and ranchers and what have you, but those numbers are so small, they're statistically insignificant. We are gathered in our nation's metropolitan centers. If the systems are racist, who's running the system? And I believe we're gonna start with Chicago, Illinois, my birthplace. I was born in Morgan Park, Illinois. Chicago has had a liberal Democrat mayor for nearly a century. 
Chicago has a 50-5-0 member city council. As we sit here today, after the most recent election, that city council is made up of 46 Democrats, four independents, zero Republicans. We can run right down the interstate to St. Louis. Had Democrat mayors for nearly 100 years, 73 years, has a 28-member city council. Today, 28 Democrats, zero Republicans. We leave St. Louis and move over to, that, to the West Coast. Democrat mayor of Los Angeles, a lot of black folk in Los Angeles, 61 years, 15-member city council. Today, 14 Democrats, one independent, there are no Republicans. Baltimore, Maryland has had a Democrat mayor for the most part for the past 123 years. 15-member city council, guess what? 15 Democrats, there are no Republicans in Baltimore. After Baltimore, we can go up to Minneapolis. One of our pre-production crews said, I'm from Minneapolis. He knows this is true. Hasn't had a Republican mayor, except for one exception, in 61 years. Their city council, as we sit here today, is made up of 12 Democrats, one Green Party member. There are no Republicans on that city council. We can keep going around the country. We can look at San Francisco. My wife and I moved here from San Francisco. My degree, as you know, is from the University of San Francisco. I know that city very well. 68 years Democrat mayor, 11 member city council. As we sit here today, there are 11 Democrats on that council. There are no Republicans. I think from here we go up the coast to Seattle. Over 50 years there has not been a Republican mayor of, city of Seattle. It has a nine-member city council as we sit here today. Nine Democrats, there's one that identified social alternative and one, there are no Republicans. That is the exact same as Detroit, Michigan and Cleveland. Cleveland, 80 years since there's been a Republican in the mayor's office. Their city council, not a Republican anywhere in sight, 17 to zero. And I think our last one is Detroit. Now we did Seattle, keep going. We did Seattle, right? Uh, uh, well, the, the viewers are getting the idea. So the last one I think is Detroit, uh, nine member city council, nine Democrats, zero Republicans. They're all the same. So if you look at the collections of black populations in this country, we're centered in the metropolitan areas. If you say the system is racist, there is systemic racism, fine, I'll buy that. Who runs the system? And it's run by the same people in every black community in this country. I got to say, Derek, I have never seen it. You know, what's that thing? Uh, John Adams said this facts. Facts are stubborn things. And, you know, some people, you know, I've said this as a pastor for years. So I've been in ministry over four decades. And, you know, I've run into people that have basically take the position in life. Don't confuse me with the facts or the truth. Mm. I've got my mind made up. But here's a point I want to bring in. I've never seen anybody do what you did right there and just put it in. It's like we're talking about the Democratic platform. This is what I've seen. You know, it was always Democrat, Republican. And yeah, the Democrats were a little bit too far on this and liberal on that. And the Republicans this. But now something's happening in this country. What's your observation? Because we're finding out that a lot of people are abandoning the Democratic Party because we're watching our country literally go down the tubes. You just gave it to me knee high, slow, with no curve on it whatsoever. <laughs> so where we're going to take the rest of this show as we head into the call-in segment, and I think you did that on purpose. <laughs> Uh, we don't have time to deconstruct the Democrat platform, but when you have 
geographic areas, and whether it's a city, a county, a state, or a nation, doesn't matter. When you have no conservative counterbalance whatsoever, like in those cities we just showed, there's no conservative counterbalance, none. It isn't that Republicans or conservatives don't really have a seat at the table, can kind of slow things down or what have There are none, literally not one. Chicago, Illinois, there is not one elected Republican anywhere. City Council, Cook County, Commission, Board of Commissioners, state legislature, federal legislature, government's office, there aren't any. And when you have that situation where there is literally no counterbalance to the liberal ideology, there are six things that always happen. Six things that always occur, there's probably a lot more than six, but six that I've identified and talked about and written about and you've, you've read my stuff on that we're gonna talk about today. These six things will always happen. And this is Chicago, this is Illinois, this is France, doesn't matter the size of the geographic body, if you only have liberal representation in the governmenting structure, these are the six things that will happen. So we're gonna hit them fast and then we'll see how many we can get through before we start taking calls, right? The first thing that happens when liberals have rock solid control, no conservative influence whatsoever is taxes go up. In my work as a pundit, I've done a lot of punditry work, as you know, Daily Caller, American Thinker, Fox News, blah, blah, blah. I've scoured the country looking for one one person running as a Democrat on the, on the platform of lowering the tax burden on their constituents. I can't find one. They, they simply only raise taxes. The second thing that happens when liberals are in rock solid control is things get banned. They love to ban things. So as often as not, these are things that can't get through the ballot box. So they just through some form of executive fiat the governor's executive order, the president's executive order, the mayor's executive order, they just ban it. So now you can no longer do it. And we've got some great examples. Third thing that happens when liberals are in control of everything is the rich get rich, the poor get poor. In areas of the country where you have rock solid leftist control, you begin to see a massive separation of the economic classes. The wealthy do very, very well. They get very, very wealthy. The population of the poor, indigent, people sleeping underneath bridges, people with no wealth to their name grows as well. There's an explosion of rich, there's an explosion of poor, and the middle class gets squeezed. There's a middle class exodus. You're seeing this in California right now. They're all coming here to Colorado where they can afford a house. Until we become California, they've got to move someplace else. The fourth thing that happens when liberals control everything is everybody gets stoned. So when liberals are in control of all aspects of governing, policies get enacted that make it easier for society to intoxicate itself. Mm. You see this happening everywhere. Here in Colorado, when we first moved to Colorado, you're one of the first people I met when we moved here, 2001. You couldn't buy alcohol on Sundays. Remember that in Colorado? You couldn't buy alcohol I on Sundays. I didn't realize that. Yeah, you couldn't buy beer or liquor or wine in grocery stores. Certainly there was no legal marijuana at all. Then we got medical marijuana, and then you had three or four dispensaries that were writing out all the prescriptions, walking, hey, do you have glaucoma? Do you have a mosquito bite? Do you get headaches? Here's your prescription. Then they said, we'll do away with that and just made it recreational. And now in places like Denver, the most liberal parts of our state, it's magic mushrooms. And on and on and on it goes. Mm. It gets easier and easier for society to intoxicate itself. The next thing that happens when liberals are in control of everything is crime goes up. And we're seeing this across the country. Anybody that's paying any attention and watching YouTube and what have you, the smash and grabs, the, the shoplifting is now a pastime. 
in these cities. People go into Walgreens and CVS Pharmacy and just load up and just walk out. I mean, they're doing it daily. And other forms of crime start going up too. And we'll talk about one of the reasons for that, but point number five is right after point number four in my list for a reason. Everyone gets stoned, crime goes up. Because where you have drugs, uh. you have a criminal element that follows it. Even if the drugs are legal, and that's inevitable, particularly as you progress to harder and harder and harder drugs. Uh, people say, yeah, people are stoned on marijuana, they just get baked and they just want to be at peace with the world and they aren't committing any crime. Well, that may be true, I don't believe it necessarily is, but you move from marijuana to cocaine. You move from cocaine to heroin, what have you. And we have these ideas, this happens in Denver and all over the country, where we want to have like clean needle exchange. You know, so at least if people are going to be shooting up, let's at least make sure they're using a clean needle so they're not spreading AIDS and, 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 and things like that to one another. Um, that's probably a smart idea. And on a humanitarian basis, maybe you could make that argument. But here's the thing. The needle may be free. The needles provide you by the city. But the drug that goes in it is not. That stuff's expensive. And when you're hooked on heroin or whatever, you're not gainfully employable. It's hard to hold down a regular job when you're addicted to methamphetamine, but you still need your drugs, so therefore you still need your money. If you need money, but you're not employable, what happens? Crime goes up. And the sixth thing that happens when liberals assume control of all forms of government is church attendance dwindles. The number of people who self-report as attending regular church services in the most blue parts of the city in the world are the lowest in the city and the world. The state in the United States that has the highest percentage of people that self-report as attending weekly church services is the reddest Satan in the, in the Union, South Carolina. Nearly 70%, 69-some-odd percent report they, they attend church regularly on Sundays. That with the lowest, the lowest by far, is the bluest state in the nation, in the, the, the state that gave us the gift of Bernie Sanders, New Hampshire. Self-reports there are somewhere around 17 to 21% of people self-report as regularly attending church services. So when leftist policy takes over, the number of people attending church on a regular basis goes down. D Derek, I tell you what, those six things, and we're seeing that on steroids right now. I just saw the other day, and I can't even remember, you can't keep up with all this stuff. It was either a mayor or some type of a city council type woman in a crime-ridden, Democrat stronghold area where people were complaining about the crime, their safety, and that was called racist. You're racist if you're complaining about the crime. Uh, I saw where an employee uh, of a particular store, I think it might have been a Lowe's, mm -hmm. was trying to stop a shoplifter, an employee, and they were reprimanded and basically had to let that person go. So what I want to go back to, I'm going to play the advocate on both sides of it. I'm a pastor. I've been in full-time vocational ministry over four decades. I have to say what Francis Schaeffer said years ago about abortion clinics, here by permission of the church. Um, you know, we basically, we fell asleep at the wheel. Mm -hmm. We hit the snooze button. Mm -hmm. And, and I think now, have you been observing that a lot of people that were Democrats, or they still have the D by their name, have departed from supporting Democrat candidates? Are you seeing that? 
I think that the argument can be made that that's true. Um, however, and this is a really important point, I'm glad you said this, because we've talked about this in the past. We want to be careful throwing around the word Democrat, because there are good people in both parties. There are good ideas in both parties. There are bad people in both parties. There are bad ideas in both parties. So we're saying Democrat a lot, but we're really more talking about the leftist ideology that the Democrat Party is granted more and more embracing. But the idea that if you're watching right now and you've got a D after your last name and your voter registration, that means you're an evil person. That's simply not true. That's simply not true. Uh, so we want to put that disclaimer out there. However, in parts of the country that we're talking about, and maybe we'll have to take this up on the other side, where the Democrats have owned everything, if you are a Democrat and you're in Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, these cities we just showed, a lot of those people don't support the things that the Democrats in their community are doing. They don't support the higher crime rates. They don't support not incarcerating people for commission of crime. They don't support making sure everybody has clean needles so they can shoot. They don't support their tax dollars being used to, to support those things. But they're still registered Democrats. So you're right. They no longer support the party platform or the actions of the party, but they're still Democrats and proud of it. They just don't necessarily line up with what they see happening and what you and I see happening. Yeah. And one of the things we're getting pretty close to taking a break here. <clears throat> so I want to remind you, this is a live call in show. I'd love for you to call in for your questions for Derek Wilburn. Uh, we'd love your questions and comments. Number is 719-619-2341. And we're going to talk about some things. I know one of the things I want to get to, I noticed you've got a couple of books. This could be. One of the most important books I think you read, could read, potentially this year, called Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation by Pete Hegseth with David Goodwin. And some of you have probably seen Pete Hegseth before, but some of the endorsements on this, Derek, were just pretty shocking. Uh, Kaylee McEnany, Mark Levine, uh, Ben Shapiro, John MacArthur, Victor Davis Hanson, Tucker Carlson. But one of the things I want to read is Mark. Mark Levine's uh, comment on this. You know, Mark Levine has been called the great one. He really has a grasp of the Constitution. But concerning this book, he said, forget what you thought you knew about education in America. This book will rock your consciousness. For the sake of our republic, read Pete Hegseth's book. And one of the reasons that you need to, I believe, read this, and this book just came out this year, is that the battle that we're facing, uh, Derek, in America is a century old. You know, I was thinking, you know, back maybe the 60s, the 70s, you know, when I was a little boy in school, when you and I were just coming up in elementary, you know, and then we saw prayer get pulled out. This is a century long, century plus battle that we've been warned against. And we're going to talk some about education. Um, you know, as a pastor, I'd say a decade ago, if you would have told me that school boards would be the hottest spiritual battlegrounds in the country, I'd say nonsense. And yet we're seeing it across America where parents have been deemed domestic terrorists and arrested, pulled out of school board meetings. There's school board meetings going on. You all need to be informed and you need to be voting for sure. We've got about a minute left and we're going to come back and do a deep dive here. Yeah. Derek. Why don't we, if we can, when we come back, take each one of these six in succession and do calls on each one. 
Can we do that? Well, whatever the people want to do, uh, you call in 719-619-2341. We would love to hear your questions and comments. And, uh, you know, be sure to take advantage of helping get the word out for Truth and Liberty. Become a partner with us on this. I appreciate so much Andrew Womack and his stand that he's taken. You know, Andrew's in some rare air ministry-wise as far as the size and the scope of the ministry. And, I, you know, a lot of guys, Derek, don't even want to go there. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and I appreciate that. Andrew Womack is committed to the truth, and it's it's just awesome to be a part of what the Lord's doing here. So, you know, my wife was one of Andrew's first employees. Oh, my gosh, that's Way right. back four buildings ago. Well, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with your questions. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We teach biblical worldview. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. There's no better place on earth to get equipped than Karis. You know, God's not done with us. He's not done with America, and He's not done with you. So many people come into practical government school and they're scared because it's the mountain of government. But you know what? They come out so strong and that is so amazing. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. Well, I am back here with my dear friend, Derek Wilburn, and we're talking about education in America. We're talking about what happens when cities and regions uh, begin to have strong liberal policies in place and and what have you. And I'm, I was so glad Derek made it clear a while ago. You know, we're not just labeling people for the sake because of labeling people. There are people out there that have the D behind their name, the Democrat, and they're good people. They don't support the platform, but we're in crisis mode right now in this nation. I want to encourage you to call with your questions right now, area code 719-619-2341. And Derek, one of the things I kind of wanted to just get this in, the book that I recommended is called Battle for the American Mind. Uh, Pete Hegseth, it's become a very popular book. But one of the things, Derek, I didn't realize is, is this is a battle that didn't just come upon us. And, you know, it's been a while, uh, you know, in the making, over a century. And one of the things that Hegseth said, and this is why, you know, when you hear Christians say that you shouldn't be involved in politics or whatever. I think hopefully we've grown far past that. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that should concern us um, is basically the fact here, and I'm going to read this. 
This is a book that will expose a century-long strategy to redirect our culture away from the Christianity and the West, away from the very ideals that invented and upheld our republic. And this was accomplished by targeting and removing a key ingredient, how children are raised. And so this is a spiritual battle that we're facing. It's not just a political battle. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a Christian. You, you walk with the Lord. You raised your children in the fear, the nurture, the admonition of the Lord. And yet you're involved in so many things, you know, and we didn't even talk about a lot of stuff that you do. You know, Rocky <laughs> Mountain Black Conservatives. Yeah, internship you, program. A lot of great things. And you should give your information so they can get connected with you. You're an incredible writer, Derek, and very articulate. I've done, I'm doing less writing now, but thank you for saying that um, as I've gotten more immersed in education. And I'm glad you brought it up for anybody who would like to learn, take a look at POCC interns, POCCinterns.com. We recruit black American college students from all around the country and send them to Washington, D.C. to learn about our constitution and our system of self-governance. And it's it's wildly successful. Um, it, it's, it's probably important that we point this out, too. So we're going to get into the six things a little more, hopefully, in this segment and the ending segment. And I'm not even necessarily presenting these things as good or bad. I'm just presenting it as matter of fact. So when you have solid leftist control, these are the things that happen. Everyone has to make determinations for themselves whether these things are good or whether they're bad. For instance, the fourth one, everyone gets high. Policies get enacted that make it easier for society to intoxicate itself. A lot of people see that and say, yeah, well, that, that's good. That's what we want. So we aren't necessarily passing that judgment here today. It's just this is what happens when you start putting leftists in control with no conservative counterbalance whatsoever. And you saw this in, in our state, in Colorado, first in Denver, Boulder. That's our liberal metroplex. And now it's filtering its way throughout other parts of the state um, as we've attracted others to this state from states that they could no longer afford, like California. Uh, but that's an important caveat. Not all Democrats are bad or evil. That's certainly not true. And not all of these things are necessarily good or bad. It just depends upon a person's point of view. Well, we've got someone on the line right now. So they've got a question for us. Uh, We're going to go right here. Great state of Colorado. And we want to keep it great. (laughs) Randall, welcome to the broadcast. And by the way, thanks for being a subscriber and a student of Karis Bible College. Uh, Welcome to Truth and Liberty Live Call-In. What's your question? Well, Pastor Mark, I appreciate uh, you taking my call, and uh, I appreciated hearing about the Black Robe Regiment this morning in practical government. And um, my question is, in the end, though, you know, Einstein said, I believe it was Einstein said, uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Aren't these Democrats just getting the problems and the and the uh, inherent spiritual issues that come with reinforcement of policies that and people that you're voting in that you know are not biblical? Uh, I'm the all this stuff. It's the- I don't understand the mentality that says I don't like it. And I don't agree with it, but I'm still going to vote according to a party line instead of biblical value. That is true. And 
You just asked a question to which we have no ability to answer. <laughs> we talked about this in the car up, the, coming up from Colorado Springs to Woodland Park for 20 minutes today. Um, it's very, very difficult to understand. It's very, very difficult to wrap your head around. And you can't, particularly if you remove, remove the spiritual component from the nature of the human being. How people can look around and see the results. Uh, San Francisco, where I came from, where you can download an app to your phone that tells you which streets to avoid today because hazmat crews are there removing human feces and urine. Yet the people who live there would not consider not voting for liberals, wouldn't even consider it. Nancy Pelosi walks to her elections every other year. 76 to 80% uh, of, the, of the popular vote walks to re-elections. Chicago, same thing. San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles, same thing. You, and you ask the question that, that Randall just asked, and you say, well, why don't they even, but they won't. They, they won't, in fact, not only do they not consider not voting the same way, if they find out that you don't want to vote the same way, they want to beat you up. You know, Antifa, these people, they find out that you hold conservative values, even though there's not a conservative within miles of this city and the place is trashed, they want to beat you up and run you out of your convention center for even having the gall to think about supporting another political structure. You can't explain it. You know, and Randall, <laughs> thanks for being a part of uh, practical government school and what he was referring to. So I, I taught a couple hours today in practical government. I'm doing a course right now entitled Black Robe Regiment. And uh, I think most of our audience probably knows what the Black Robe Regiment, but so I, I taught two hours today. There's several more hours, but one of the things, Derek, that we're gonna have to, it's not just a political party that's gonna get this turned around. I have this deep conviction we have to have, we must have a new black robe regiment arise. And that is the pulpits of this land have to thunder once again with righteousness. John Adams said, the pulpits thundered with righteousness. Alexis de Tocqueville, he came to America. He was trying to figure out what made this little 50 year old some odd year old nation so powerful, so great. He said it wasn't until he went into the pulpits of America and heard them thunder with righteousness that he discovered the secret of America. Because Randall, what you just said, and Derek, it's funny, it was like you eavesdropped on us, uh, <laughs> Randall. We were talking about this on the way up here today. You can't make sense of why, and, and what you said, Einstein said, one form of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And so we find out this is a spiritual battle that really you can't yeah, answer. Well, and to Randall's point, in, in most of these cities in our country, the way they rectify having voted in nothing but leftists who have made their lives worse is to vote in people who even to the left are the ones that just voted out. That just happened in Chicago. Lori Lightfoot, the former mayor, ruined this. I mean, just a terrible mayor, terrible job. So they vote in somebody to her left. And they've done this all across the country. We talked on the way up here about a, a documentary that you all should watch if you haven't seen it. So you can get it on YouTube for free. It's called The Fight for the Soul of Seattle. Everyone in America should see this. It's not a right wing, pop, white right wing propaganda piece at all is produced by a local news crew. I think the CBS affiliate out there, but it, this isn't a Breitbart production by any stretch of the imagination. It, like you say, facts are stubborn things. 
It's just a documenting of what has happened in the city of Seattle since they kicked out every conservative imaginable and put nothing but leftists in all positions appointed and elected and what has happened to the city in the span of time, maybe eight or 10 years. And it's, it's shocking. It's called The Fight for the Soul of Seattle. Get it on YouTube. It's a 90-minute documentary. It's a feature-length film. And you watch that and you say to yourself, why would you vote for more of this? There's one section of this film where a lady, you've got rampant drug use in Seattle. On the, uh, on the streets, it's, 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 it's awful. A lady is showing up for jury duty. She got her jury summons, we've all been there. And she gets down to the courthouse, but they've closed the front door to the courthouse because there's so much crime and people with, on drugs and stuff out there that she has to walk around the side where they have more control of the entrance and the exit. She doesn't know that. She gets there and she can't get in, the door's locked. So she's looking at her phone trying to figure out, you know, how do I report for jury duty here? So her attention is here, which is a problem in our country too. And while she's looking at her phone, a guy comes up, six foot two, 240 pounder, and just blam, knuckles her up right on the street, breaks an orbital socket, fractures her jaw, leaves her laying there. They find the guy, they arrest him, they bring him in front of a judge. The guy has, and I may be getting the number wrong, but I believe he had 71 prior convictions. Oh my gosh. Not arrests, convictions. So the judge finally says, you know, you're, you're, you're a menace to society. It's clear this is a pattern of behavior. I'm gonna send you to a year in jail. You know what they did in Seattle? Got rid of the judge. Fight for the soul of Seattle. Incredible. Randall, thank you for calling in. Oh my goodness. I tell you, and by the way, uh, the number is 719-619-2341. Call in with your questions and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Questions, comments. I tell you, Derek, I don't know that I've ever felt what I'm feeling right now. Um, you know, this morning up here teaching practical government, it, it wasn't planned necessarily, but it, it worked really well that I taught this morning. And then of course, a couple hours of teaching on this and I enjoy doing it because history really teaches us the future if we'll pay attention to mm. it. And if we don't pay attention to it, we're condemned to repeat it. You know, Eric Metaxas wrote a book called Letter to the American Church. I personally think it could be his most important book. But here's what riveted me about it. Eric Metaxas, in essence, said this. We in America right now are worse than Nazi Germany. You know, now how could that be? Because Hitler killed those 11 million people, 6 million Jews, but it's really beyond that. In fact, I was talking about that in class. There's a book on evil dictators, Lenin, Stalin, Hitler, I mean, all that kind of stuff. They said if you take the full scope of the responsibility of the deaths of what Hitler was responsible for, it's north of 60 million people. Okay, so the reason Eric Metaxas said that we in America are worse is because Nazi Germany, Germany didn't have anything to look to like we do mm. to see what happens. Erwin Lutzer wrote a great book called When a Nation Forgets God. 
I mean, it's predictable. And, and we're, we're talking about this, and Randall called in. Aren't they getting what they voted for? And then you talked about the mayor, was it Chicago? Chicago. Yeah, and they voted left of her, mm-hmm. and she was a horrible mayor, and left it in shambles, and then they went further down. And that's what happens when a nation forgets God. That's what happened. So you want to do this. You want to start in on these? and see if people want yeah, to call in. let's go for it. Want to call us with your questions. Go ahead, Derek. All right, well, I'll tell you what, in the, in the booth, if you want to put number one up, this is the first thing that, ha- well, not the first thing, but the first thing I've listed that happens when you have zero conservative rule in a city, state, nation, doesn't matter, and that is that taxes go up. Taxes always go up. So this is, um, this is from the October, uh, October 13 town hall meeting. So this is pre-election. This is 20, leading up to the 2020 election. This is a town hall meeting that Joe Biden held. This is from the Washington Examiner. And you remember in 2021, you know, 2020, we're not even post-COVID really. In fall of 2020, the mask mandates are coming off, but the economy has not recovered and people are struggling big time. Quote, Joe Biden said Thursday that despite the coronavirus-induced recession, He will raise taxes on corporations and the wealthy as soon as he can if elected. When ABC News host George Stephanopoulos asked Biden during a town hall if he would raise the corporate tax rate, even when the economy was struggling due to the pandemic, Biden said, absolutely. Biden has pledged to eliminate the tax cuts that President Trump enacted through his 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. This would include raising the corporate tax rate back to 28% from its current rate of 21%, close quote. Now, I just chose Joe Biden there because everybody knows, but no matter where you look in the country, it doesn't matter the condition of the economy. It doesn't matter the condition of the lower classes. It doesn't matter, none of that matters. All they do now is raise taxes. We went in Colorado hard blue. You were there, I was there in 2016. Harder in 2018. Also in 2018, Virginia went hard blue. Everybody remember North North Northam and and this group gets swept in in Virginia. This is the first, the the fifth day of session of the Washington Assembly, uh, Virginia Assembly. This is January 15th, 2020. New fees, speeding cameras, and a handheld cell phone ban are some of the measures on the horizon for Virginia drivers under a wide-ranging transportation bill proposed by Governor Ralph Northam and the Democrat leadership of the state's General Assembly. They have pledged to, one, raising gasoline tax four cents per year for each of the next three years. Two, raise the diesel tax 6.2 cents per gallon. You and I may not buy diesel, but when diesel goes up, everything goes up. Three, the North administration is proposing a fee on fuel efficient vehicles, plus a whole slew of other new fees, taxes, bans, and regulations, end of quote, Washington Examiner. This is post-pandemic or pandemic-ish. People were really, really struggling. A lot of people lost their jobs. And the first thing they want to do when they get power, let's start raising those taxes. Here in Colorado, they're after Tabor. For those of you who don't know, you're not from Colorado, uh, the Tabor is the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. It's more complicated than this, but basically what it says is if the, gov- if the government of the state of Colorado takes in more money than it spends, we get some of our money back. That's a good law. They want, now that we're hard blue, they're doing all they can to get rid of it. 
because they want that tax money to stay with the state. Oh my gosh, I tell you, there's, there's no way to explain this from an intellectual, logical standpoint. And you know, one of the things we were talking about on the way up, um, basically, you know, as I shared with you, David Barton's a great friend, uh, great friend of this ministry. Uh, you know, basically the practical government school. Uh, he was at the very ground floor helping oversee the design of the curriculum. And one of the things I was talking about that I heard him, we talk about revival. We need revival. Mm. Actually, what we need in America is a reformation. And so one of the things he said, and there are four things we're going to have to have, Derek, for a reformation to take place. Number one, we have to see a sense of duty once again instilled. That used to be taught in our public education systems, a sense of duty. We used the scripture. <laughs> the New England primer was using the Bible to teach kids to read. There was a law on the books in the 1600s called the Old Deluder Satan Act, where you could actually have your kids taken out of your home if you weren't teaching them to read, because they said, well, if they can't read, they can't read the Bible. If they can't read the Bible, they can't escape the wiles of the devil. And so they had that law in the books. The other thing uh, was incrementalism. And I think, Derek, you know, when we talk about a lot of people that I talk to, conservatives, Republicans, whatever, and I think you made it clear a while ago that there are some good Democrats. Not all Democrats are bad people. They don't support the policy. There's some good Republicans, but there's some bad ones. Uh, and, and so we, we want to be careful about the labels, but the bottom line of it is they get discouraged because things haven't happened overnight. And, you know, we kind of think that if we have a real revival, this is going to fix everything. But it's not. It, it, we need a reviving, there's no doubt. But we have got to go to incrementalism where the Lord said, this is a scriptural thing, He's only going to give the children of Israel the land a bit at a time, mm -hmm. lest the, the land eat them up. Mm -hmm. But then here's one, we have to go on the offense. How can we go on the offense? You never win a war with just a good defense. You've got to be offense minded. That's what our founding fathers were. What, what, what do you think we need to do, Derek, to make some changes? If we're talking about uh, as an electorate, as opposed to as a church, stop complaining on your sofa and get involved. Many, many people, perhaps even most, who complain the loudest have never volunteered to work on a campaign, have never showed up to man a phone bank, encourage people to, to vote, have never walked neighborhoods, knocking doors, encouraging people to vote, have never donated a nickel to, conserve, to, to candidates that share their values, yet they're the first ones to complain when the, when, the, when the wheels start to come off the wagon. This is a representative republic, and people who stick their necks out to run for office need help and support is not easy. Peel that onion a little bit. What is a representative republic? Just so the people understand. Uh, a direct democracy is a one-to-one -one vote. You and I are represented by, in the United States House of Representatives by Doug Lamborn, who represents uh, four counties, 
in the 5th Congressional District of the state of Colorado. So he represents our interests at the federal legislative level. The, the, this is a great conversation to have sometime. This is another show. <laughs> um, so one, one of the things, so we have these conventions, uh, the RNC and the DNC, they have their national conventions and where they nominate and everyone comes out and there's balloons and all this stuff, which we really don't even need to do anymore. But the reason they do that is because once upon a time when we were in agricultural land and people moved about on horseback, on ponies and donkeys and what have you, when it came time for an election, if you're in Illinois and we need to get representation in Washington, D.C., well, the entire city, the entire town couldn't take three weeks off and ride to Washington and cast their votes and ride. You couldn't do that. You couldn't shut down your farm. You couldn't close down the shop or whatever it is you did to earn a living. So they said, you know what we're going to do? We'll take you, 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 and you. We will send you as a delegation. We will delegate our authority to you and trust you to vote our interests. And those representatives went on behalf of the homeland. So. Those people represent our interests. And if ever we feel they are not doing a good job of that, vote them out. But you can't just vote them out. You need to help them in the campaign process so your neighbors know who to vote for or who not to vote for. And too many people, in my opinion, don't like the representation, but don't do anything do to help anything get them replaced. Absolutely. Other than voting, which is good. I mean, you should vote. I mean, that's basic. Most people don't, uh, but you should vote. But find someone who's represent, who represents your values, call their campaign headquarters and say, how can I help? In other words, just get involved. I want to get involved. I want to go to the state of Texas now. And uh, we have Vicki on the line. Vicki, welcome to the Truth and Liberty live call-in show. What's your question for us tonight? Well, I would like to know how we can pray to protect our personal identity. Now, explain that, Vicki. I want to make sure we understand. What do you mean on personal identity? Well, I will tell you very briefly what happened to me. Um, I recently moved to Texas. I lived in West Michigan for 50-some years, and um, I was actually asked to be part of a new church plant and a gentleman that came into, he, he got a, an invitation via a postcard to come to this new church. And I found out that he was a con artist and he stole my identity, filed a bogus fraudulent marriage certificate with the county saying that he was married to me and managed to get a very large insurance check and then divorced me, <laughs> even though I was well, never married to him. <laughs> Let me say this, Vicki. I think this is one of the wildest things I've heard. Uh, my goodness. Uh, Derek, you want to dive into that? <laughs> not, not particularly. Um, I mean, that's pretty individualistic. I've never heard of that happening, but certainly our identities are something we do need to protect. Well, um, con artists are everywhere. Let me say this, Vicki. We're living in a time, and I think, Derek, this is reflective. We were talking about when you and I were in grade school growing up. And Vicki, you know, I grew up in Texas, and uh, we were talking about the fact, uh, you know, I was in grade school in the 1960s. We read the Bible every day in a large public school. We prayed every day 
and we pledged allegiance to the flag, the Gideons actually were able to come into the classrooms and give us the Gideon New Testament. We've seen where Gideons have not been allowed on, on school property, and I know there's been some victories, but one of the things I want to say, Vicki, to me it's a two-edged sword. Yes, you want to pray, but then there are practical things that you can do. And one of the things that I say is, and, and you know, I've been a pastor for a lot of years now, so I teach and try to convey to believers, we need to be learned to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, <clears throat> there are a lot of things that are going on, and I think, Derek, we see this with, with politicians. They lie. They say whatever needs to be said with full intention of not carrying it out. So, Vicki, that is something that is very important. And by the way, I have never been a victim of identity theft, but I've heard it's a horrible, horrible tragedy. And it can take quite a while. So, you know, I've purchased some things where they keep an eye on my credit scores. I get alerts right here on my phone if something suspicious is going on. But I just want to say, Vicki, that, yeah, you need to pray, but you also need to be, you need to get wise counsel in a situation like this. Um, you know, one of our presidents said, trust, but verify. And, you know, there's times where, Vicki, I've just learned probably from hard knocks that, you know, I learned to listen to my inner man, my spirit. And when we feed ourselves the good word of God, we have a relationship with the Lord. I mean, there's times I'm talking to people and I've got alarm bells going off on the inside. My spirit man has just got a red light or it's pegging the meter that something's wrong. So I want to encourage you. Yes, pray, but then seek out wise counsel and uh, be sure to, you know, Make sure you listen to that inward man. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, according to Proverbs. And we're coming up on a break right now. Vicki, I want to thank you for calling in. I love Texas. <laughs> what the gentlest doves, wise as serpents. Um, and you know what, Vicki? Pray for that man who defrauded you. Pray specifically for that man. That, that's a tough That'll one. Bring, that's a very tough one. That'll bring blessings your way. Yes, it will. It absolutely will. And, and you definitely need to clarify one thing you said. He was in grade school a long time before okay, now, I was in grade school. Okay, we'll deal with this when we come back from the break. But one of the things that, uh, thank you, Vicki, for calling in so much. And I just pray that works out for you and gets turned around. So, uh, listen, we want to hear from you. We're about ready to take a, uh, a break. So, call us at 719-619-2341. Four, one. Love to hear your questions and comments. We'll be right back after this and we'll continue with Derek Wilburn. You were created with a purpose, written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. to help you experience his unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. 
Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Have you been praying about how to make your business your mission field? GospelTruth.tv Business features leadership and financial stewardship training from industry experts. Learn the next steps to building wealth and using it to grow God's kingdom. Tune in Saturdays to GospelTruth.tv Business and watch anytime with GospelTruth.tv Premium. Visit GospelTruth.tv today for biblical teaching you can trust. Goodness, we got distracted. We got questions coming in. Listen, uh, area code 719-619-2341. I'm here with Derek Wilburn, very dear friend for a lot of years now. And he has been a voice uh, just that, you know, you are so articulate. Derek, uh, don't get the big head now. Keep it coming. Yeah. Keep it coming. That check <laughs> but, I mailed you. You know, I, I remember when you started the Black, Rocky Mountain Black Tea Party. Yep. Okay. 2010. Yeah. And then it went and it's Rocky Mountain Black Conservatives. And uh, you've just done some incredible things because you just, you don't fit the narrative of what, you know, certain narratives people want you to take. And, and, there, and therein lies the problem. So people have expectations about how we are supposed to think, feel, act, behave, and vote based on skin color. And there's a word for that. It's called prejudiced. So people who don't know me, never met me, no idea. All they know about me is the color of my skin. That's it. They see the color of my skin. They hear me espousing conservative values, and they automatically have a label. They automatically have their names for me and Tim Scott and Ben Carson and people like us. They, they don't know anything else, else about us. Well, that's prejudice. That you have prejudged how I am supposed to think, feel, act, behave, and vote based on the characteristic of my skin. So that's insultful as it is right on the surface. But the way we opened the show by showing how all black neighborhoods are ruled by the same people, ideologically speaking, the exact same people, and what do we have to show for it? Is, 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 is the education system in inner city Baltimore stamping out kids that are prepared to move on to the next level of education if that's what they choose to do? Uh, is crime, Statistics lower in black neighborhoods than in the white neighborhoods is is are, are any is anything getting better? I would argue not very many things, if any. Yet they look at me when I come around and say, you know, maybe we should at least consider doing something else, voting another way. Well, you're selling your people out. Well, if you're propagating continuing what we've been doing for the last 70 years the results of which we can see. Who's really the one selling us out? I already know the results of voting the way you think I should vote, and it isn't working. So uh, I just got a big, grew a bit thick enough skin and stick my neck out there, and there'll be people as a result of this broadcast, my inbox is filling up already. <laughs> and God bless them all. God bless them. Well, I got a question that came in here, and I really want to hear what you have to say about this. How does the media 
How do you feel the media incites racial tension? The media once upon a time was called the fourth branch of government, and unfortunately it no longer is. The media by and large has a strong leftist bias. They get more and more exposed for this truth all the time, with the exception of a handful of outlets. But if it bleeds, it leads as true. So mm. there is a profit motive, in my opinion, their racial tension, rioting, looting, burning, and all the, the really atrocious things that we see, that makes commercial time easier to sell. That makes clicks counts go up. So the media isn't necessarily interested in seeing those things stop because the media has a profit motive. They're for-profit institutions with the exception of NPR, which should be a for-profit institution. So from that point of view, from strictly a business point of view, I don't think the media has much interest in resolving racial tensions whatsoever. They keep putting that stuff out there and they will repeat narratives that are patently false. They do it all the time because it's keeping those commercials selling. It's keeping those clicks coming. And it's a shame, but they have no interest in seeing true racial reconciliation. They claim to, but they don't. You know, I wanna bring up something here. This is very interesting because I hadn't thought about it till right now. You know, at Church for All Nations, the name can tell you that missions <laughs> is a passion. But, um, you know, we're doing particular things overseas, but there is a documentary called Poverty Inc. Poverty Incorporated. And it's an incredible documentary. You probably can find it, you know, just on the YouTube or internet. But a friend of mine right here in uh, Mon or up in Palmer Lake, Colorado, was part of that production is putting it all together. But the bottom line is all the ministries that help the poor are not interested in you coming out of poverty because that feeds their ministry, mm -hmm. their business. And basically what it says is poverty is big business. And really racism and division and racial tension is big business really in a lot of ways for the media, for people that want to be kept in power in political offices. Do you, do you feel it, that's it, it right? It could be very, very, it could, the media could be extraordinarily helpful if they latched on to narratives like the ones that I tell. For instance, I said this on the Dr. Phil show last year when I was out there. We live in a country, where the media keeps us pumping us this stuff. We live in a country that the majority of people who vote twice voted for a black man to be their president. During that presidential administration, we had two consecutive black attorneys general. Eric Holder, Loretta Lynch. During the previous administration, we had two consecutive black secretaries of state, Colin Powell, Condoleezza Rice. We have black mayors, senators, and house representatives from coast to coast. We have black millionaires in this country. We now have black billionaires in this country. We have Martin Luther King Day as a federal holiday. Juneteenth is now a federal holiday. We get an entire month, Feb February is Black History Month. At what point do we get to the point where we say, America has done enough. And now it's up to the individual to take control of your own destiny and move your life the direction that you want it to go. The media could take what I just said and make a documentary out of that. That could be a six minutes on 60 minutes. That could be any of that stuff to start telling black America, you know, you can do it. Ben Carson, single mom, Detroit projects, on to become the most noted neurosurgeon in the world. 
It can be done. But the media won't help tell Ben Carson's story. They hate Ben Carson. Most people don't know Ben Carson's story. And that's a shame. They know Colin Kaepernick's story. They don't know Ben Carson's. And Ben Carson was not born with a silver spoon in his mouth. No. He was a uh, single he, mom. Yeah, single mom. And, uh, you know, he had an anger problem. It was just by a very thin margin that he could have ended himself up in the penitentiary mm -hmm. uh, through some anger that he had. But he had a mother that was a God-fearing woman that made him read and taught him to really apply himself. And he became one of the top brain surgeons really in the world, I guess. Where is the documentary on the major news media's on Ben Carson's life? Why, why hasn't Paramount Studios in Hollywood produced that? Well, it's interesting you say that because we've got another question here. And by the way, if you want to call in, area code 719-619-2341 and uh, call in with your questions. But here's a question, and I think we're going to know part of the answer to this. If our kids don't get real history in public school, where can they get it? I think one of the best sources of real history uh, for in school or out of school is David Barton's American Patriots series. Great series of DVDs, what is it, 10, 12 DVDs, marches right through. Most people, when you look at that picture of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, 56 of them, most people can pick out Alexander Hamilton, most people can pick out George Washington, Ben Franklin. The other 52, no idea. No idea, but these are significant figures of American history, and most of them lost their lives. And Dave Barton walks right through the lives and times of almost all those men, plus a whole lot of other people, men and women alike. I think that David Barton's ministry and, and website and materials is hands down the best source of American history that you can find. He, a lot of it original works. He's got the most extensive library of original writings, I believe, of any, even more than the Smithsonian at his home at his ranch in Texas. My wife's been there. Well, and you know that uh, one of the things we want to do is point you to David Barton's website, wallbuilders.com. Yeah. Um, and there's a, a book that he and Tim Barton have written called The American Story. And let me just say, you know, David Barton taught me a long time ago that you are, it's getting to the place where you can't trust history books that are recent in their publication because it's what's called deconstruction and it's where they it's it's what they leave out and what have you the american story and i think they're going to write another two volumes and one thing about david barton i was teaching this actually today in class he has been attacked so viciously, but if there's anybody that documents everything he says, a lot of his books, you'll look at the back, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of end notes. And so one of the things that I would say, if you're watching this today, to get your, uh, and what was it, the you, David series, The Patriot? Um, founding Fathers. Founding Fathers, uh, go to wallbuilders.com. And you know what my kids told me when they were little? We would show, there was a season we homeschooled them. And so we showed back in the day, this is how long ago, VHS tape. Do you remember VHS tape? No, no idea. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> so one of the things is uh, my kids, when we would show the the history lessons with David Barton, one of my boys said, boy, dad, if, if we would have known history was this interesting, we would have liked it because they had been to public school and heard the scrubbed version of it. And uh, they just, they, they weren't getting the true story. Fascinating what those people did. Actually, 
American, it's an American heroes or founding fathers. You'll find it on wallbuilders.com. Yeah. It's, 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 it's incredible. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of things. So. Well, you want to. You got another one? Well, yeah, I do. Okay. And I, I do want to get your take on this because of something you said earlier. Here's a question. Is big government always bad? Almost always. There are no absolutes. I mean, I, I, you, you want to be careful with always and never. Um, however, the bigger government gets, the more inefficient it gets. Government closest to the people is the government that's the most efficient. The closer to where the money is earned, that decisions are made as to how the money gets spent, the better those monies tend, those decisions tend to be, including your own household. So your local school board, your local city council, your local county commission knows better how to spend your tax dollars than these people 1,800 miles away in Washington, D.C. do. You want to get it as close to home as possible, and of course, the closer to home you get, the smaller it tends to be. Now, and I'm not one of these people, and we're having this debate right now in Colorado Springs about taxation. We need taxation. I'm not anti-tax. You have to tax within reason. We all want potholes fixed. We all want cracks in the high sidewalk fixed. We all think our teachers and firefighters and first responders should be paid a, a good wage. We all want that, and that comes from public funding. The issue becomes when you get so many people in government making decisions that are separated from the will of the people. And the bigger your government gets, the more of those individuals go to work there. The Department of Education began as a single cabinet seat in the Carter administration. One employee, 1976, I think. One employee in the Department of Education. Well, government agencies never shrink or go away. Right? They never say, okay, we've accomplished the mission. This agency has done what, was, what it was put together to do. Now let's disband it, and that's the end of that. That never happens. And now the Department of Education has 8,000 employees and an $80 billion budget. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So generally speaking, big is big government always bad? I'm not willing to go so far as to say always, because I don't think that's dangerous, but almost always. Well, the fact of it is government is God's idea because, you know, one of the things we need to understand, we're going to be dealing with government throughout eternity. The government shall rest upon his shoulders. And so this is something that's just what kind of government. Our founding fathers warned us. We need to put the right people, choose ye from among you. And, you know, men that fear God, they hate bribes and they love truth. That's really the requirement right there. Yeah, be nice if we had a few hundred more of those. Yes, exactly. So call in with your question, area code 719-619-2341. Derek, you had another. Let's city. do it. Well, we opened, um, we opened today with the six things that happen when liberalism assumes complete control of governments. Complete control, no counterbalance whatsoever. Conservatism can't even slow it down. Number one, taxes go up, we talked about in the last segment. The number two thing that we put on the screen was things get banned. Through executive fiat, things get banned. I have a, <laughs> an abbreviated list here of all the things. So the, the previous mayor of New York City, Michael Bloom, uh, Bill de Blasio, and prior to him, Michael Bloomberg, two very, very far left mayors, and they have a very far leaning leftist right now. I just haven't updated the list. But under Bloomberg and de Blasio, this is a list of all the things that they either banned or attempted to ban in New York City under those two mayoral cabinets. 
Smoking in commercial establishments, smoking in public spaces, cigarette sales to those under 21, sale of flavored tobacco products, smoking e-cigarettes in public spaces, cigarette in-store displays, cars in Times Square, cars from driving in bike lanes, cars causing congestion below 60th Street in Manhattan, speeding in residential slow zones, illegal guns. Illegal guns are banned in New York City. Sodium levels in processed foods, trans fats in restaurants, loud headphones, black roofs, styrofoam packaging and single service food items, ferrets. Ferrets. Sodas larger than 16 ounces, collection of yard waste and glass grass clippings, organic food waste in landfills, commercial music over 45 decibels, restaurant chain menus without calorie counts, greenhouse gas emissions, the posting of signs in city-owned grassy areas, non-fuel efficient cabs, new cabs that are not Nissan NV200, number six and number four heating oils, government buildings that are not LEED certified, schools and cell phones in schools, non-hurricane proof buildings in coastal areas, construction cranes over 25 years old, plastic bag, foie gras, what's that, duck liver, less than a two to one ratio of female and male restrooms in new public buildings, cashless retail stores. Just ban them. These are all banned. Well, not, not all of them. Some of them were banned and city council reversed them, whatever. But I remember we talked about this at, at, at Church for All Nations years ago about this soda ban. <laughs> Michael Bloomberg, we're going to ban sodas over 15 ounces because that much sugary water is bad for you. And Mark Howard, Mark Coward gets up in front of the congregation and says, these, these knuckleheads, if I want a soda more than 15 ounces, I'll just buy two. Or I'll ask for a, a carrier and buy four. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Here oh in gosh. Colorado in 2021 legislative session, we've gone completely blue at that point. Uh, they, they, they passed SB 116, which banned Indian nicknames for high school or, or public school sport nicknames, you know, Cheyenne Mountain Indians, got a tournament to the Golden Eagles or what have you, uh, or face a $10,000 a month fine. Just banned them, which that's one that really gets on my nerves. The, the left is determined to remove all vestiges and homages to Native American culture from our country. This stuff is beyond the pale. You know, you just can't wrap a logical mindset around some of these kind of things. Now, we've got a question right here. Now, this is this is kind of good. Um, we want to go right now to the state of Missouri. Elizabeth, welcome to the Truth and Liberty call-in. Thank you. And what is your question for us? Thank you so much for taking my call. And my question is, can non-citizens vote? <laughs> no. Not well, supposed to. Not supposed to. Not, not supposed to. Uh, not legally. Um, they're working on changing that in lots of places. Um, I'm not entirely sure I'm speaking correctly for California and other places where they've given, where they've made it's possible for illegals to get driver's licenses and to hold public office uh, and to get become lawyers and things like that. Maybe it's possible in, in some of those precincts and, and states, but I, I don't think so. But. It's also not legal for you to drive 76 miles an hour on the highway, but people do it every day. So just because it isn't legal doesn't mean it isn't happening. Oh my goodness. And that, that is, you know, like one day I was getting on an airline and uh, all of a sudden it dawned on me, you are not getting on that airplane if you don't have this little thing called driver's license and identification, a valid ID. And yet we've got these things going on all over. So. 
to answer the question, which no, you're not supposed to vote if you're not a citizen, um, Elizabeth, but as Derek said, just because you're not supposed to do something. Well, the other side of that happening. coin is just as bad. If you are a citizen and don't vote. Oh. I mean, and there, there are people who, and this is one of the things that gets up, gets on my nerves about people bashing this country. There are people, people of color from other nations, and these people lash together homemade boats made out of bathtubs and tires that they steal off a junk heap. Put that thing in the water and risk being eaten alive by 10 foot long fish just to get here. And they run down and register to vote as fast as they can. I can participate in, in governing. I can vote. I can open a business. They, they can't do any of these things where they come from. They stream to this country. You walk down the street in any city USA, any city USA, Milwaukee, Atlanta, it doesn't matter. You walk down the street and you know what you see? These people come here from Cuba, from, from wherever they come from. And they got Junior out front sleeping the sidewalk. Open the door, mom is standing there at the hostess station, seating people at the tables. Daughter is waiting on the tables. Dad's in the kitchen cooking the food. Grandpa's washing the dishes. They're just here making it happen because they got to America. And the privilege of voting is something that they completely understand in some ways more than we do. And you know, I don't, these stats are old. This is probably 20, 30 years old. One in four millionaires was foreign immigrants that came to this country legally and they saw the opportunity and they value America. And like you said, people risking their lives to get here from Cuba. We don't see people getting in boats from Florida trying to make it to Cuba. Kind of trying to break into Venezuela. Exactly. So thanks for calling in, Elizabeth. I, I want to get over to this one before we're done uh, today, Derek. Uh, Rhonda, uh, right here in Colorado, second year CARES student. Thank you so much for calling in and what's your question? Hi, Pastor Mark and Derek. Um, my question is in regard to um, the recent announcement by the um, uh, National Education Association and then it was um, um, uh, approved or endorsed by the Colorado Education Association regarding the fact that they were adopting an anti-capitalism policy, which we know that is just um, kind of the most, probably the most aggressive step in regard to this century-long battle against education um, to enable them to um, promote the socialism, Marxism agenda. My question is, I know it's important and that we get involved in the local uh, school board elections, um, but is there anything that we can do from the either federal or state level to, to stop what is definitely um, not what uh, um, the, our nation was, was um, founded on. Department of Education at the federal level and the state level are your employees. Uh, they work for you, just like all of your elected representatives do, and we need to be involved and engaged in letting them know. The, these people who, anti-capitalism, so these people who sit around sipping a $6 coffee at Starbucks surfing the internet for free on an $800 phone and complain about capitalism, crack me up. Uh, it, it's just remarkable that the education institution in this country has endorses that ideology. But remember that the, Aranda, that the education department 
is a public works department. They work for you through your elected representatives. So find out who sits on the education committees of your state house and state senate. Find out who sits on the education committee of your federal house and federal senate and contact them and let your voice be heard. These people work for us and they come up for re-election every two or four years. And you start letting them know, I don't like what I'm seeing, your support for this union is contrary to what's best for our children and best for our country, and I'll go to work helping to unelect you if you keep it up, they begin to respond. Yeah, does that help, Rhonda, answer your um, question there? Yes, it does. Can I ask one more quick question? Absolutely. Okay, um, there is a uh, something called the American Birthright Standard in regard to, it's a uh, K through 12, um, um, social studies standard, and uh, it's getting back to teaching the Constitution, teaching true history. Um, are you aware of that, and is that something that um, you would endorse? I'm aware of it, not comfortable enough with my knowledge of, of it to speak about it, uh, I'm too ignorant, and I, and I readily admit that. Know what it is, I believe I'm a supporter, I believe I like it, but I've never read it from in its entirety, and therefore I'm gonna reserve comment. But I think, Rhonda, you're doing the right thing. You're asking questions, you're concerned, you're speaking up about Absolutely. things. And you know, one of the things, um, you know, I would encourage you, if you don't have this book, Rhonda, Battle for the American Mind, I think it's an important book for those people, for Americans to understand about our educational. You know, we were also talking about Benjamin Rush and John Adams made the comment about Benjamin Rush that the three most notable founding fathers were Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, and Benjamin Rush. Mm -hmm. You know that if you ask a lot of people today if they've heard about Benjamin Rush, they don't know a lot about him, but he's been called the father of American education. And Rhonda, I think it's, from me, a spiritual perspective of this is understanding our genesis, understanding the roots of education. And this is this is what's happening. But I remember our dear friend, uh, Pastor Calvin Johnson, our brother from another mother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we love Pastor Calvin. And uh, we were we were listening to David Barton and uh, he said, man, I thought he said it wrong because he said that Basically, Benjamin Rush said that we need to be loyal, first of all, to God, then our country, then our family. Pastor Calvin's like, man, I think he, I think he messed that up. I think he meant God, family, and country. And so, you know, when his daughter and son-in-law lived in Colorado Springs, they, they were at CFAN and, you know, uh, his son-in-law, Kane, is a uh, special forces. So he got transferred. So I kind of had it easy for a while there. I just got a hold of Damaris, <laughs> anything I needed from David. But anyway, I got in his book on Benjamin Rush and it was that way, Derek. He said, Loyalty needs to be to God first, country second, and family third. Hmm. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, Rhonda, we are so far removed from the original mission of education that Benjamin Rush said this, everything we fought for and won in the American Revolution is going to hinge upon these principles of liberty and freedom being carried on through our American educational system. And so 
Oh my God, we are far removed because now we've been a century into this. So another great book I'd recommend, Rhonda, is to read uh, the Benjamin Rush book that David Barton wrote. If I'm not mistaken, I think Benjamin Rush is David Barton's favorite American founder. Uh, And it's just so important. And Derek, that's why I appreciate your passion for this. Aren't you an empty nester now? As of two, a month and a half ago, yeah. Yeah, so young, why are you telling left. me I'm old? You, you're, you're right <laughs> on my heels there, I'm brother. catching up to you in a hurry, too. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, but I appreciate you because you're involved. You, brother, uh, are we involved and concerned about education. We have to be. We have to be. Thank you, Rhonda. Um, Rhonda, does that answer, and let me make sure we got, does that answer everything okay for you? Yes, it does. I appreciate that uh, battle for the American mind. I'm going to get it. And uh, I just got uh, David Barton's The American Story. Um, I, I had one, then, but I sent it to my uh, my son-in-law, and so now I've got one of my own. So i got a stack of books to read. <laughs> yeah, we, we all the do. Club. <laughs> and thank Welcome you. to the club. Thank you so much, Rhonda, for calling in. God bless you. Well, Derek, I tell you, we, we've covered some very interesting stuff. I, I love, I don't think I've ever had it so clear as what you brought it out. When you put those slides up and you listed those six things. It's terrifying. It just, and we, we, we could squeeze in one more if you want to give it a shot. Well, we're going to have to hurry. What do you think, a minute? Let me, yeah. yeah. Well, go ahead and do what you got to do. Yeah, one of the things I want to do is, first off, thank you all for tuning in to Truth and Liberty Livecast. Remember, it's daily, and we'll look forward to you being here on Monday as well. Just a couple of things I want to point out. The Vision Conference is coming up September 21st to the 23rd. Andrew Womack and Dwayne Sheriff, two awesome people. And so you can register at awmi.net. And then also the Global Ministers Conference 2023, October 2 through 6. Andrew Womack, Mike and Carrie Pickett, Pastor Bob Yandian, Pastor Dwayne Sheriff, Pastor Bob Nichols, Pastor Greg Moore, Wendell Parr, Billy Epphart, just a whole host. Be sure to register for that. And be sure to check out the Truth and Liberty website. This is a real tool, Derek. I appreciate that people can come on this this platform here and speak the truth and not worry about it being edited. And these uh, shows are all archived and you can take. And what's important is just as Rhonda called in and was asking questions, we need to start speaking up. You can access, though, all the episodes from Truth and Liberty. So when you hear something... And you think, hmm, I think somebody could uh, utilize that and share that and get it out. And so uh, let me make sure I've got everything else. Remember, our news feed is updated every 15 minutes. And there are current events, uh, Biden administration. Uh, Here are some of the captions, uh, corruption, defense, foreign affairs, economy, just a host of things. Be sure to log in to truthandliberty.net. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll look forward to you being back here on Monday. Go ahead. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty Livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.